the volume. This Sessions is presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. There's no better place to make every moment more than with FanDuel. They're America's number one sportsbook for a reason, y'all. It's so easy to use. It's safe and secure. That's one of the main things for me. I don't want any BS. I love that there's no BS with FanDuel. Plus, you get your winnings fast. Now winnings are delivered in as quick as two hours. Plus, it's super fun to combine multiple bets from the same game into a same game parlay. It's awesome. So if you are new, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started now. Sign up with the promo code Renee, that's R-E-N-E-E, so that they know that I sent you. Disclaimer, 21 plus and present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, Wyoming, or West Virginia. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777, or visit ccpg.org slash chat for Connecticut, 1-800-GAMBLER, or visit fanduel.com slash RG for Colorado, Iowa, Indiana, Illinois, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and Virginia, 1-877-770-STOP for Louisiana, 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan, 1-877-8-HOPE-NY, or text HOPE-NY for New York. Tennessee Redline, 1-800-889-9789 and 1-800-522-4700 for Wyoming. Visit www.1800gambler.net for West Virginia. Hey guys, welcome to the best of the sessions. What we have done is we've combined the best of Tuesday's episode and Thursday's episode, mashed them together to give you a beautiful little audio gift for your ear holes. We have some awesome, awesome guests on the show. Cannot thank people enough for taking the time to, to come hang out with me. Give me a little bit of their time. We give you a little bit of that. We all get to hang out and enjoy it, learn a little bit about each other. Um, so it's really cool to mash these all together and you guys can get those little abbreviated highlights of both of the interviews throughout the week. Also, of course, if you want to listen to the full lengths, you can do that. They all exist. Uh, just make sure to check out all things from the Volume Podcast Network. Like, subscribe, turn on those notifications, all that good stuff. But let's get into it. Here's the best of the sessions. <laughs> First of all, it's really great to see you. Second of all, you look like a million bucks. You look great. Thank you. I don't really acknowledge the Sam that you worked with, Sam with hair. I don't understand how anybody ever afforded him an opportunity. I don't like him. Uh, I wish he never existed because, yeah, no hair, Sam. I'm in full support of. Isn't it? funny how like when you when we like gradually like evolve as humans and we like find our look in the thing and you're like what was I doing with this thing before I've got many versions of those and I'm like who's this chick yeah and I, I feel like I'm very close like closer than I've ever been to achieving my final form like not like hey here's my look here's this is what I do I'm the guy with the big hair it's like no 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 this we're almost almost at the final form. What do you think the final pieces are? What are we looking to really just shift into place? I don't know. Cause like, you know, if five years ago, I wouldn't have told you, you know, I'm going to adopt the triple H aesthetic, but you know, <laughs> it works. Yeah. I adopted the triple H aesthetic and I was, and by the way, he was like, <laughs> when he was at uh, uh, the first NXT thing that I did with a shaved head, he was like, Hey man, like the haircut. <laughs> Big improvement. <laughs> <laughs> but even like Hunter, 
you see Hunter like with, I mean, when you, you know, when you see like Hunter Hearst Helms, you see him as Triple H, you see him with the hair, like that's one thing. But like I met Hunter like on a personal level at the shaved head version. So like that to me is Hunter. When I imagine him with hair now, I'm like, what? It freaks me out. Yeah, I met him when he had hair. I met Ponytail Hunter way back in like radio days and stuff like that. Okay. But that perplexes me too, right? Because I feel like he has also achieved final form where it's like, this is this is what graduated Hunter, who's like an executive and this like really smart, creative guy. Like, this is who he is. But also, people with immaculate hairlines that then shave their head, I feel like I've got a lot of questions. Yeah, because he wasn't balding or anything, right? Like, he's got a really nice head of hair. When he first cut his long hair and he just had, like, the really short hair but still had hair, it was like there was not even any spots. There was there was nothing. Like, there was not even any indicators that something was going to go wrong. It's just a, it's a pure choice, which is even stronger, I think. I agree. Yeah, because he wasn't pushed to do this. This was not, uh, we're grasping at straws. What's my next move going to be? He just went for it. But I also... I'm sorry. I'm laughing because I realized that you started by complimenting me and I somehow weaved us into, can we talk about how handsome Triple H is for a while? Because what a guy. (laughs) He really knows how to wear a suit. He's got a great look, like a great amount of tan. Let's just make this an episode dedicated to Hunter. What a guy. What a guy. (laughs) Okay, well, hey, while we're talking about it, how weird is the Steph stuff? Really weird. It's it's like it's one of those things that you know everybody off guard. Totally off guard. Everybody starts reaching out to everybody, going like, "What have you heard?" Like I've had people who work every day at WWE going like, "So what have you heard about this?" I'm like, "I don't know. I think it's hilarious that you're asking me." <laughs> yeah. I read the tweet like everybody else. That's all I got. Exactly, and I think that's how everybody's reacting. Wrestling is just at such a such a really interesting evolutionary place right now. Like there's really no telling what this thing is going to look like a year, five years, 10 years from now. So how different does it feel from like, okay, so from when you started and you've done, you know, a bunch of different things in WWE from like us doing panels together, you've been able to do the panels at NXT. Uh, We'll use like NXT, I guess, for this, like from, because NXT has changed so much in the last little while. How different is it when you go down there and are working on those shows? It's interesting because the day-to-day doesn't really change that much. You know, I mean, it's, it's, it's such a machine and everybody knows what they do and does what they do so well. It's just like, okay, here are the orders. Here's what we're doing now. Let's go to work. So yeah. like the day-to-day doesn't change, but the vibe, it's certainly like, you know, and I, I'm only there for the premium live events. You know, I'm not there week to week. You're but, top dollar, Sam. Exactly. Yeah, they couldn't afford <laughs> me every week. Come on. <laughs> but, <laughs> but it is, it's very much like it's it's sort of this vibe of, of figuring out because it's also new. It's like figuring out what this is going to be still and, and, and where this fits in. And also who's going to pop up from this, you know, like where's the cream going to rise? Wrestling has really always been kind of the same for so long. Even when things are changing, it always reverts back to what it has been where now it feels like it really is making the shift that's 
pretty drastic. And like, yeah, what of that is going to stick as well in terms of like what works, um, how like, you know, on the production side of things, the talent side of things. Yeah, it's got to be really weird for especially people that have been there for a while that have already had their footing in like one way of how things work to now like, wait, what am I doing here? Who's looking over my shoulder? Oh, my God, I'd be so stressed out the whole time. Yeah, I mean, think about just as a fan, like it's scary, like people like wrestling fans probably more so than any other thing can really tend to base their lives around being fans of wrestling that they grew up on and they watch it and it looks a certain way and it feels a certain way and change gets really, really scary on all levels, right? People hate it. Oh my God. They hate it. Yeah, you're right. I mean, wrestling has been the constant for so many people. There's no off seasons. There's no downtime. I mean, it is constantly this machine that's going. Yeah, gosh, we should bring in some fans and ask them what they think. Um, We'll save that for another episode. (laughs) Your set looks great. I talked to you as soon as I was leaving WWE and I was like, how do I build a home studio? I've not gotten that far in terms of the aesthetic, (laughs) but I, I, I have a nice microphone and the equipment is nice. But I need to like guzzy it up in here uh, a lot more. I had really cool wallpaper at one point, but then I moved. I don't have an iota of what you have going on over there. Yeah, I forgot about the move. The Vegas wallpaper was like perfect. I mean, I'm glad there's a house plant. It's not even real. I didn't think so. No, God, no. <laughs> it's up on the third floor. I only come up here when I'm working. I'm not bringing water up here. Are you kidding me? Well, there's a bathroom over there, but still it's not happening. You have to be careful, though, because, like, I also find that when people are trying to build the aesthetic out, everybody sees, like, how one person does it. Like, everybody saw Joe Rogan put, like, wood paneling behind him, and then everyone went out and bought really cheap wood paneling and just tried to do, like, a really inexpensive version of what his looks like. It's like people jumping on the Chip and Joanna um, shiplap. Everybody wants their shiplap. Yes, and it's like, yeah, we we built this when I'm when we moved in, so, like, for five years ago, something like that. Like it was just a basement. And that was a big part about moving into a house from an apartment was, you know, building a studio. I mean, there happened to be a pandemic. It came in real handy, but just for whatever, right? Just, you know, I want to be able to record in a real place. And so, yeah, it's been, it's been a, a, a beast that's, that's been living and growing and, and new things are getting added all the time. But yeah, yeah, I'm really, uh, I love it down here. Like, you really have built this, like, beast of a machine. You're on doing everything. How, when, like, it's, I, like, I kind of get to the, I mean, I don't jump on like you do. You do a lot of, like, live reacts. Um, you have your podcast. You've got your, you know, you have your series. You do serious from the studios. We're back in the studio now. We were home for, like, a year and a half. But, yeah, we're back in every day. Do you ever feel like almost this like weird pull that your studio is in the house of like this, I have to go jump on and record stuff or like I have to like make use of this or like reacting to things that are so topical? Yeah, it certainly eliminates excuses. When the idea strikes of like, like you see something that inspires you or you're watching something and you're like, oh, I could do a show about this. I could do that. You go, well, if I can, I can. Like I literally can't. Not I could theoretically, but I could just go downstairs and figure this out. Um, Yeah, it eliminates that sort of barrier of, well, yeah, but I'm not going to drive over here or I'm not going to call somebody up or I'm not. Like, I also built this so that I could run it myself entirely. 
Like every all the there's like a camera switcher on my desk. There's like everything can be done by me. So it really was, I mean, to eliminate any sort of excuse of timing. Like if I'm doing an interview with somebody or whatever, I go like, you tell me what time works for you. I'll be here. That is super convenient. That's nice for me to be able to hop up here too and just be like, all right, whatever your schedule is, I can make that work pending whatever's going on with my baby. But generally, yes, I can make that work. Um, And you've really mastered the art of just like doing the one man show. I mean, you talk about like having the switchers and like all like the production side of things, but even just like talent wise to flip on your camera and start talking and it doesn't feel like someone is just like spewing information at you. Like you have a really good pacing and timing with what you do. How long did it take you to kind of figure that out? Because that is not an easy formula to do. I really appreciate that. Um, Yeah, I mean, definitely, like, it was a concerted effort over years. You know, when I was producing for Opie and Anthony and working behind the scenes and just kind of jumping on on the air as, like, a an on-air personality or whatever, you know, I, I always wanted to host shows. Like, you know, and I, I was always pretty clear about that. I, was not, I wasn't, like, a behind-the-scenes guy who fell into it. It was, it was kind of my goal from the beginning. And, you know, before, like, in college, I was doing, you know, like a, like college radio shows by myself and everything and just figuring out kind of how one does this. Um, but, you know, I, I recorded a lot. I started recording a lot of podcasts that I mean, didn't really have any listeners, but I was doing them by myself and I tried to make myself do it every week. And the exercise was to just get comfortable figuring out in advance, okay, this is what I want to talk about. These are the stories I want to tell. This is the angle to have. And and be able to go and know what it feels like to talk for 30 minutes or an hour or know, you know, what kind of content it's going to take to fill that time and, and you know, what's comfortable. And it's just, I mean, it's, it's Malcolm Gladwell's 10,000 hours. It's just repetition, repetition, repetition to the point where, yeah, you just put so much out there that you're not even thinking about like, oh, did I do that right? Did I do that? Because you're moving on to the next thing. That's the nice thing of not having time to like dwell on things. It's like whatever, on to the next, on to another show. It's not a one, in, like doing one thing and being like, holy shit, waiting for the reaction, reaction to like, I always live by the you're only as good as your last show. So as long as you can move on, if you did something you hated, whatever, we'll pick it up in the next show and, and fix things. Um, how different was it for you when you started coming in and doing stuff with WWE and now working in that different environment? You're not at home, you're not at the XM studios, but like stepping into like more of like that TV side of things and in like a pretty like pressure cooker situation of like, it's always live. Everyone's always kind of watching, paying attention. How was that for you? I mean, aside from me, obviously guiding you so graciously. Yeah, I had one of the great (laughs) mentors of this or any generation (laughs) in the former Renee Young. I am the last professional broadcaster, Sam Roberts. Yes. And Booker T. So yeah, Booker, Booker T was right there, was right there <laughs> with you. Um, I mean, it's all like, it's just, it's just learning from every instance. Like I came in going like, I don't know why they would ask me to do this, except I've known Michael Cole for a while and he just finally threw me a bone, but whatever, <laughs> like I'm coming in and I'll do it. And if I do it wrong, they'll tell me and I'll try. If I get another opportunity, I'll try not to do it wrong again. And I mean, like, you know, I remember when we went to, I, you were there when we were in Stanford and we were doing like a pre, uh, like a fake pre-show before I did a real pre-show just to kind of get a feel for it. 
And like the first thing I did was go like, oh yeah, this person is so athletic in the ring and blah, blah, blah. And Michael Mansuri, another uh, incredible Classic. human being. Yes, Mike was like, hey dude, that was cool, but like, you've never been in the ring. I'm like, you know, I know. And he's like, so how would you know, you know, the athleticism of in the ring and stuff like that? Like you need to speak from your perspective. And I was like, got it. Which is huge. It's actually like as much as that is like, sounds like an easy note of like, okay, just take the direction you're given, but to like actually take that and process that and like switch the things that you're talking about, especially when prior to you, like when you and Rosenberg came in and you guys were kind of brought in to like give that fan perspective, it's a really fine line to walk of like, yes, giving the fan perspective, but also you're still working for WWE. So it's like, it's a really weird hat to kind of wear and figure out what that line was. And it had never been done. It was just, you know, Rosenberg and I had been kind of, you know, going parallel paths. We'd known each other forever. And yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I forgot. Yeah. <laughs> the ultimate rivals of all time. Um, and, yeah. Just a loathing and contempt for each other. Yeah. Of uh, course. Yeah. But yeah. And it was both of us kind of figuring it out. And I kind of love like looking at us now because I think we're we do it so differently now. It You know, it took a couple years, I think, but we both kind of figured out how to land it in a very kind of organic way that's natural and, and true to ourselves. And that's like, that was what Mansuri and Michael Cole and people like that were like so helpful and supportive of doing is reminding me, and I think they did the same for Rosenberg, but I know reminding me that like you're here to be you. We brought you in to be you. Don't try to be like an announcer that you've seen on TV. Don't try to be a WWE personality. Just come in, be you. That's why you're here. And there's a lot of imposter syndrome at first. You know what I mean? Like it's it's a crazy. For real, yeah. Right, I'm sure you know. It's a crazy thing to be like, yeah, we just want you to be yourself. And I'm like, but like anybody can be themselves. Why would, I'm not qualified to be myself. <laughs> like are you crazy and you kind of, you kind of just have to move past it, I guess. Well, how weird was that when you guys started, though? And for somebody for, like you who's been like a lifelong fan, you know the ins and outs of wrestling from the fan perspective. You kind of have, you know, you've got your finger on the pulse of what's going on on the inside of WWE. I mean, as dumb as it is, I'm sure you must have been being blown up on like Twitter, on Instagram, whatever, like on social media, people being like, wait, I want to do this. Like, why am I not getting this chance to do what Sam's getting to do? Were you getting a lot of that? Yeah, I mean, and not so directly, right? Like, I mean, you know, a lot of hate, you know. Hate. Fucking haters. Yeah, yeah, the, the haters. Some, <laughs> you know that's jealousy, right? Like, you can yeah. read into it and you can see, like, like, uh, like, you know, you go like, oh, Sam sucks. He shouldn't be there. And you click on the thing and like, there's their YouTube link and their podcast link and their, yeah. and their profile. And I'm like, you could just ask me for advice. Let's have a friendship instead. And yeah, maybe that would, you know, pan out better for you than screaming into the abyss. Yeah. But, and you know, and I'm, and I'm, I'm, I'm sure there was a lot of that, but here's the thing, you know, a lot of people are like, Hey, I could come in and uh, fill that Sam Roberts role. And it's like. Like, sorry, honey, there's only one Sam Roberts, you know? Yeah, honey. Back it up, honey. Not going to work. And 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 the thing about me, too, I don't give up my seat too easy. <laughs> no, <laughs> he does around. not. I stick around. The talons are firmly <laughs> in place. Everybody back up. But, I mean, God, you, you have been in there for, like, 
quite some time now. Like, I mean, when I feel like I had not even been there all that long prior to you coming in and joining those panels. So it's been a minute of you doing that. Why do you think it's so difficult to strike that balance of bringing in broadcasters? I mean, WWE, they've got, you know, whether it's a former talent that then steps in to be a broadcaster and there's times that that works amazingly. Um, They obviously get the job. They understand how to talk about the ins and outs of the business. But for somebody that's not, I feel like that's such a weird spot sometimes for WWE because they want to bring in a broadcaster that has their own credibility already, but it's really hard to find somebody that really understands and loves professional wrestling. So if you don't love professional wrestling, I caramba, it can be real sticky. Well, yeah. And I, and I think, I think you hit the nail on the head. It's like, you have to love it and you have to love it regardless of whether you're there or not. You can't, it's tough to grow to love it. I think probably in very unique situations, there are certain people that have been able to get that love finally get there but like wrestling is such a unique form of storytelling and when you're when you're doing it from the broadcasting side it's like this combination of sports broadcasting storytelling and salesmanship that you're doing kind of all three at once you're having to figure out the delicate balance of telling these stories and and not not maybe, you know, accidentally burying somebody at the wrong time or making sure that this person's still on the pedestal that they need to be on or, or you know, everybody's kind of playing their part in this, this large mechanism to tell stories. And, and, and I think it can sometimes take a long time to figure out, okay, what's my part in telling this story? It does take a long time. And that's the thing too, is like, it does feel like there's often this like knee jerk reaction to if something doesn't work right away, that all of a sudden we're not seeing that person anymore or what have you. But it does take a long time to really find what your voice is, find what your place is amongst the broadcast as well in finding like, yeah, what, what your like purpose is in there. Um, what, is it like for you when you do find yourself in a bit of a situation where maybe you've said something about talent that they don't love and you're there trying to give the fan perspective, yet you're backstage in catering, hanging out with these people? How do you manage that? Yeah, I mean, there are points that you kind of got to duck and weave a little bit, you know, make yourself scarce after a show and <laughs> on to the next town. Bye. Yeah, exactly. And especially for somebody like me, maybe I'm not going to be around till the next pay-per-view. So if I can just skirt through this, maybe, you know, bygones be bygones the next time we see each other. Um, you know, I, I, at, at, at early on, it was like, I realized that some of the statements that I make could be impactful. So like after the show, I would try to find anybody that I had to find and go like, Hey, Twitter's blowing up. I said this thing. I, I hope it's okay. It's just part of the pre-show or commentary, whatever it was. And then after that happened, like a couple of times, <laughs> I was like, you know what? I got to find people before the show and let them know. <laughs> I might say this. Is it okay? I want you to know I respect you as an uh, athlete and an artist and a storyteller. Like, I love everyone who works here so much. I'm probably going to say this thing, though. That's definitely a better way to go around it rather than being like, ooh, I guess you're going to read about the thing that I said. Sorry. But it, yeah, so long as you can see that there's like a little foresight put into your reasoning and whatnot. What has been, who has um, kind of given you the hardest time with that? B. 
Bianca was actually like unreasonably cool with everything. <laughs> like yeah. she really, when I tell you that she is a professional above everyone, she's incredible, right? Like she, I, that was probably the scariest one where I was like, oh my God, like I didn't, that was the first time that like it trended like crazy and everybody it was catching a lot of, yeah. a lot of attention. <laughs> and it was really harsh, you know, it was very severe. You're eating your words now though. So take that. Well, I was just, you know, I was just, you know, getting her motivated. Uh, you know, it was, uh, yeah, no, it was, I was wrong. I was happy to be wrong in that uh, instance, but yeah, so that was one, but like, like when we were on main event together, you know, doing commentary, I mean, I don't think Dana Brooke was thrilled. Well, Dana Brooke gets kind of thrown um, to the wolves often on commentary, unfortunately. Yeah, I think she was mad at me for a while, but I know that now everything's cool because I was able eventually to find her and talk to her and be like, you know, I hope that this isn't something that you take personally. I don't consider it a personal attack, but I understand that like, you know, nobody's in my head and I'm trying to be sensitive and blah, blah, blah. You know, it's a fine line to walk. I like to think that because people don't like me, that if I say something negative about you, People will disagree with me and therefore it will reflect positively on you. <laughs> what a bullshit roundabout way. <laughs> I'm being nice is what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm so sad. I've never actually been there while you're having this conversation with the person. See, you have to understand here. This is good for you. <laughs> See, remember when I said part of the job is being a salesman? <laughs> You're going to thank me later, putting yeah. you over, baby. Trust me when I tell you, you're going to be main eventing WrestleMania. <laughs> oh, it's so great. Okay, so you and I were doing a um, main event together. Me, you, and Byron Saxton. What a soldier, huh? I love Byron Saxton. What an unsung hero. Unsung hero. Also, for sure, did the best um, stunner sell at WrestleMania, hands down. Perfection. Um, okay, what was your commentary experience like? Because my big takeaway from it, too, before I let you get into your spiel about it, was that you were supposed to be using very smart words, right? I don't know that many good words. <laughs> <laughs> Who told you this? Cole was like, use big words, get out your thesaurus, and let's go? Yeah, hey, man, like, you. this is what, and it's, you know, it's always the messenger or whatever, but I was like, Okay. And you know, I mean, that's the, okay, whatever you need, whatever you need, whatever you need, whatever you need, whatever you need. And so literally like this is the source app is still on my phone and I've learned a bunch of good words because of the experience. Like that was a weird thing, right? Because it's like up until that point, everything I had done was be yourself, be yourself, be yourself, be yourself. Hey, start using SAT words. And I'm like, I didn't do that good on the verbal section of the SATs. Like I don't know the words, you know, I mean, Luckily, my dad, like, is obsessed with words and pronunciation and using words that people don't know. So, I mean, I kind of... Oh, what's his deal? Why is he into that? Is he, like, a teacher or something? No, he was a... In his in his heyday, he was a copywriter, an advertising copywriter. So, he loves words. And uh, and he's a he's a traveled man. So, he likes, he likes, like, pronouncing things wrong and then claiming that, no, 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 this is how you actually pronounce it. Okay, interesting. I was just having a conversation before hopping on here about the pronunciation of, I say chamomile, but it's supposed to be chamomile. And then some other people were throwing me a curveball by saying chamomile. Like nothing will get me on trouble on the internet, like responding to one of your tweets. 
So, I mean, because this is bringing me right back to Reese's Pieces Gate. Your rebuttal about spaghetti or puschetti, I was crying. Oh, my God. I'm like sitting here like, I shouldn't be arguing with FTR on Twitter about Reese's Pieces. This isn't what I should be doing. I actually thought it was great. I mean, if there's going to be arguments on the Internet, I'd rather it be that than some of the other bullshit that we normally see. Because I got so furious because they were like, people were literally like, if you don't say, if you are insistent on saying Reese's Pieces, it's because you're not fun at a party. And I'm like, you're an adult. You're not fun for talking like a baby. You know, Reese's Pieces is insane. It's fucking insane. It makes no sense. It's not a regional dialect. R-E-E-S-E spells Reese. P-I-E-C-E-S spells pieces. Reese's Pieces. Grow the fuck up. It's not Reese's Pieces. It's, uh, exactly. Grow the fuck up. Oh, my God. I was so, I mean, I especially like this argument because you were on my side of the argument. So I could, <laughs> I could kind of like regale in your, uh, in your arguments. But good God. Anyways, back to your dad in big words and commentary. But yeah, so that's kind of the, and like, I know how annoying it is when he uses those words. So I got the assignment. Like, what could be more annoying than, you know, Sam up there thinking his shit don't stink and using words that we don't understand? I'm like, yeah, actually, you know, that's a good call. I just wish I knew more words. But I was like, <laughs> literally, I was like, okay. I was like thinking of observations to make, like, you know, when we find out what matches are going on. Because that's the other thing. Like, you, it's not like you can prep everything that you're going to say because you're reacting in live real time. So you kind of just have to think about like, okay, what observation might I make about this superstar? Okay. How can I tweak this word? How can I change that word? Like, how can I make this sound more obnoxious, I guess, without making it sound like I've prepared a sentence to say. I know. And it's like, that is really tricky. Like, how do you be like, okay, this is like Sesame Street. Here's my word of the day. And I'm going to try to get it in here in some capacity. And people know how I talk already. Like they hear me on my podcast. They hear me on the radio show. So it's like, I have to do it in a way where it feels very natural. Like I can't, I can't just start playing a character because I mean, there's a lot of footage of me <laughs> like there's people know who I am I remember feeling that way when I was getting my name change in WWE and it was very much so like here's your new name and I was like but I've already been on TV for like a bit what do you mean and they're like we don't care tough titty you're Renee Young now I was like okay giddy up who's changing my Twitter handle let's go you could be like Brett who was a heel in Montreal when we go back to Montreal you can be Paquette just in Montreal <laughs> Yes. <laughs> um, when you were getting that opportunity at commentary, were you, I mean, there's like professional version of you that has been talking and hosting and doing all these things for your majority of your like adult life. But there's also like wrestling fan of you. Was there like what part of you showed up to the job that day? It's all one thing. I think, you know what I mean? Like, like I, I don't do like, I don't do like, professional broadcasting jobs like I don't have like you don't see me like and I don't think you ever will like hosting like I'm not Ryan Seacrest right like I'm not gonna host yet um, yeah right <laughs> I think maybe Sam with hair could have pulled it off but 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 you don't you don't see me like like I only really end up broadcasting about stuff that I'm a fan of or really feel passionately about anyway so it's like you know, I, 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 I feel like for sure the fan is 
who showed up. I mean, once there's a microphone in front of me, I, I kind of, by default, lean towards professionalism. But yeah, I mean, I, there's no way, like that's, that's the one thing about working with WWE is that from the first show, it's like, if this ends tomorrow, it has to be okay because you did, like you made it. And with that in mind, you've got to enjoy every second. Like you, there, you can't, you can't not be 10 year old Sam. Who's like doing Monday night raw commentary into his talk boy. Like, this is it. Like, don't pretend like this isn't it. Don't pretend you're above it. Like, don't pretend this is something else. Like, this is it. Like, be that person. That's why you're here. And and so, yeah, I mean, for sure, it's like, I mean, if I'm hosting Talking Smack in Stanford, if I'm on commentary, if I'm doing a pre-show, it's like, no, this is this is fanboy Sam living his dream every single time. Football fans, check out the Three and Out podcast with John Middlecoff only on the Volume Podcast Network. John brings his unique perspective as an ex-NFL scout to the Volume to break down all the news around the NFL and college football. Whether you're looking for game predictions, coaching searches, the ins and outs of the NFL front office, even an occasional golf tip, John has you covered. Download three and out with John Middlecoff only on the Volume Podcast Network. It's Q and A time, more like Q and Renee. That's what we like to call it. And I was going to use that for the hashtag, but I know that that's a little confusing. Um, so I just kept it simple. We put it out to uh, to the Twitter masses. Said, send us any questions. This is a free for all. Little ask me anything. And we used a hashtag, Ask Renee. I like these episodes. Emilio's with me, by the way. Emilio Sparks, the one, the only. His hair's in a man bun. He shaved his um, face the other day, and it's already back in, like, well beyond a five o'clock shadow. What would we call this? This is scruff beyond scruff. It's, it's that layer right before it becomes full Brody Beard again. Just days away. We're heading out to Las Vegas very soon. So this will be airing while we're already in Las Vegas. Um, but this is going to be a lot of fun. We've got some really cool stuff lined up. We're going to be jumping into the Blue Wire Studios. They've got a beautiful setup at the Win, and they've invited us to come down to use their space, set up the sessions there. As of today, we have Tony Storm going to be joining us live in the studio. So that episode will be coming out. I cannot wait to have her on. Um, I feel like we've been trying to connect and get on the same page and get her on the show for a little bit now. So I'm really pumped that this is happening in person and that we waited for like the right time to do it. I'm glad. I love when you do this, the whole Zoom thing, interact conversation, like the whole shebang with people. But I think the magic of you and this program is when you're in your element with people, you got the cute little outfit on. You have Oh my God, I love a cute little outfit. I do have on like a cute little pink lip right now. I'm in my pink lip era right now. Um, so just get used to it is what I'm saying. I love a simple makeup pop of a lip. Anyways, I digress. I was just took over the thing that you were saying. I mean, no, listen, it's your show. This is what you're supposed to do. You want to put over pink lips, put over pink lips. Do what you got to do. It's fine. Do what you got to do. No, I'm really excited for it. I'm excited for us to go out to Las Vegas. I'm really looking forward to this trip. As somebody who like just moved from Vegas, I'm obviously excited to like kind of get back to my old stomping grounds. I'm not looking forward to the flight uh, because John and I were just out in DC. He had a show out there with New Japan. 
Nora and I ended up going last minute. I'm glad that we did because it was like a good reminder of like, oh shit, we've not flown with Nora for a long time. And last time we did fly with her, we flew flown with her a few times, but she was really little. So she just slept and she was fine. And it was easy. Now we're dealing with like a toddler. This is a toddler that has found her voice. She is loud. She is the busiest baby I have ever seen. Like she just, just like on to the next, on to the next, on to the next. So please keep me in your thoughts and prayers um, Tuesday morning. As we fly to uh, Las Vegas, keep me in your thoughts and keep everybody else in the plane in your thoughts, please. And thank you. Um, but I will say I, I have zero tolerance for people that get mad at babies on a plane. Like, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? And what do you want her to do? She's in a spot. I can't really do much to like I can't reason with her at this point. She's still a baby. I've never understood that. I've been on some plane rides where the kids are crying and whatever. I have noise-canceling headphones. Who doesn't have noise-canceling headphones? Put on your headphones, put on your show, put on your podcast, put on the sessions. Do whatever you got to do, but like, you can be... I'm the one dealing with this in real time. How about a little sympathy for me? I can't put on my noise-canceling headphones. I got to be mom. Does she pop her little head up and look out the window all inquisitively that she's up in the sky? She does. She likes to pop her head out the window for sure. She likes, she just wants to see what everybody's doing. She pops her head between the seats and she's like checking out the people behind us. She is, uh, she's pretty funny. So it should be cool. Um, but either way, yeah, I'm really excited to get out there and you're going to be there and we're going to get to hang out and it's going to be so much fun. I mean, we're overdue. It's been, oh God. Since Chicago. Since Chicago, yeah, we're overdue to hang. Yeah, which was a long time ago. Nora was only like two or three months then. Now she's like a year in like just a couple weeks. I bought her um, her first birthday present today. What'd you get her? So I bought her a little necklace, like a personalized necklace with her name on it and her birthstone. Because I was like, what do you get for a first birthday? Like she doesn't really have like interests, so to speak, yet. She doesn't need more toys. She doesn't need more outfits. Um, So I was like, I want to get her something she can have. And that she can like have for years and either, you know, wear it, hold on to it, whatever you want to do. So I I pulled the trigger on that this morning. I feel I feel pretty strongly about it. Do you fear that the child is going to rip the necklace off her neck? 100%. She rips mine off my neck all the time. She was like, you know, I find like that fine balance. I'm like, I'm not going to buy like something super expensive because either it's going to get lost or it's going to get broken, whatever. So I kind of like split the difference on it. But um, yeah, I, I'm pretty pumped. I'm like, I'm, I'm like that mom that's like super psyched to like throw a birthday party, get all the balloons. I ordered her a cake. Like we're, we're down to clown. It's going to be good. Are you going to have an actual clown? No. I would do that at some point, though. People have, like, weird... I don't have any weird relationships with clowns, so I got no problem. I, I had a magician come to one of my birthday parties when I was little once, and I, and I still remember it, and I loved it. So I would definitely do that at one point, but with her turning one, again, she doesn't care. So I, I got her, like, a cake that is decorated with Benny and Blue on top, our dogs. She loves our dogs. That's the only thing that she's like, love the dogs. So I'm like, all right, let's lean into the dogs for a little bit. But other than that, she's going to have some cake. I might set up like a baby pool, like a sprinkler situation. Let her play in the water. She enjoys that. Um, but that's the plan. Are you going to do the cake smashing photos? You have to. See, this is all stuff that I've learned throughout the years that my friends have had kids or whatever. And I'm, and I'm sitting there, I was like, wait a minute, we never did none of this growing up. I don't remember birthday parties being this big, grandiose gamuria. Like, I don't, I don't know what they are like 
we're only having like, you know, some family, maybe a few friends over. Like it's small. This is not like a big over the top party. Like, you know, maybe when she's like older and can like recognize and appreciate things. But otherwise, it's like she's going to want to play for a bit and go take a nap. Um, so to go like all out is feels like a little annoying for me. Not like annoying for me to do, but just like I don't think it's necessary. I mean, once she's a teenager, she's going to be embarrassed by you and John and be like, oh, get away. This is my birthday. Leave me alone. Like, she's going to try to sneak wine coolers or something. Oh, my God. I can't even think about it. It's crazy. It's crazy. Um, Okay, so this is an Ask Me Anything episode. We put out the tweet. Hashtag Ask Renee. Do we get anything good? What's going on out there? Let us see what we have with the hashtag Ask Renee. This is from Virus 13 Fiction, and he writes, if you could ask John to stop doing one thing in the ring, what would it be and why? Um, Licking people's blood, 100%. That drives me bonkers. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I don't get it. I hate it. Um, that definitely ranks really, really high for me. Anytime he does it, I'm like, why? What is happening? Why are you doing this? I don't think it's necessary. Um, that, that would be, uh, the number one for me. I hate it. I also don't love slap spots, like into like a slap to the head I could do without. I actually don't love spots with chairs either (laughs) as I just keep going. So when he licks somebody's blood and he comes home, let's say a couple of days after and wants to give you a smooch, how turned off are you? Like, you know where that mouth's been. I actually don't think about that at all. Um, which is funny because, yeah, you said you think obviously you would think that. But at that point, I'm like, eh, sometimes passed. And I don't know. I don't I don't really think about it. I worry more about like the long term effects. Tammy Moxley wanted to know what will be the overall theme of Nora's birthday party. So I don't think there is going to be like an actual theme. I've been looking at it more. I'm like, should I have more of a theme? So initially I was going to make the full theme Benny and Blue themed. So I was going to get like fat heads done of Benny and Blue and put them around in the yard, which I guess I still could. The time is ticking down on me. So if I am going to do that, I got to really pull the trigger like now. Um, But otherwise, I'm like, I want to get some balloons. But then I start looking in the balloons. I'm like, shit, should I get like one of those big, beautiful, like, um, balloon arches or like the like full balloon decor do I do a balloon wall uh, which is great but then I'm like but then I got to deal with it after I hate getting I hate dealing with garbage it's very annoying like like what do you do with it afterwards like yeah you can pop all the balloons and whatever but I'm, I'm sure there's some kind of structure keeping it all together and then I've got to call 1-800-GOT-JUNK those are my guys get rid of any other crap in my house that, that the garbage, um, like the city is not going to take. So anyways, I'm, I'm deviating, but, um, yeah, I don't think I'm going to do a huge theme, but I think even food wise, I was going to put something on the smoker and like trigger it up and do like, uh, I don't know, do, um, a brisket, something like that. But now I'm like, maybe I'll just do a bunch of different finger foods, stuff that I know Nora will really like and all the adults can just kind of deal. Do like some chicken nuggets. Do like just stuff that she can pick at that I think that that she would really enjoy. And then the adults can kind of piggyback on that too. Well, I mean, essentially it's her day. But if if we're being honest though, I think the first birthday party is more for the parents because it's like, all right, we survived the first year of having a thing that we have to raise like this little thing 
It is, but like, I do want it to be a thing. Like, I don't want to overwhelm her by doing too much because she's a baby. She's going to be overstimulated. I'm not looking to like rock her world to the point that she's like, oh, I hate this. And I feel I need to go like be left. I need to be in like a room and be left alone. So I I really don't want to go too crazy with anything. I think just like some cousins are going to be here. Let her play. Let her crawl around. Let her do her thing. I've got a couple cute little outfits for her um, because, you know, you're going to have to do the smash cake. So she's inevitably going to get very dirty at some point. Um, but no, it's just going to be fun and light and easy. I'm I'm trying not to overthink it. No, you have to have multiple outfit changes. It's 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 a birthday party. You got to You got to dress your best. How many... How many outfits when you used to, If I don't know if you were a big birthday celebrator when you would go out or whatever, but like, would you make Renee's birthday? Was it just the day? Was it the week? Some people make it a month. Like there's a month activity. Nah, I don't fuck with that. I don't, I don't like that. I got no time for that. And also at a, what drives me nuts about that is when people like my age, your age, When people are still doing that, if you're like a kid, you're like a teenager and you're like kind of making light of it and you're like, it's my birthday month. Yay. Like, fine. You start getting into like your mid to late 20s and you still think you're fucking celebrating like that. Grow up. You got to grow up and move on. Yes, celebrate your birthday. That's great. But like you think everyone needs to go out to multiple dinners for your birthday and you need to be spoiled for a month. You got to check it. I think that's crazy. That's just you being self-absorbed. Yes. I'm good. I hate it. I hate it. I avoid all that. Even when like the girls that I was dating, they said, we're going to do a birthday month. I go, you're going to do a birthday month. We're going to do a birthday night. And that's it. I'm good. That's all it should be. Like, I just like, yes, I would, I would love to go out to dinner. I, I don't really need it much beyond that. Like, I want to have dinner. Like, I do want to, like, celebrate in some way. But, like, that's kind of the extent of it. Let's go out to dinner. Let's have a glass of wine. I don't know. I'm not saying, like, hey, take me to Paris for the week for my birthday. Like, that's... I mean, that's kind of cool, though. Would be cool. But I know I'm not getting that. So I'm allowed to talk shit on it. How about this? Next, when I see him in Vegas, I'll pull him aside. I'll be like, bro, take it to Paris. He'll laugh in your face. A monkey gives me a fist bump when I see him. You know? It's like... Come on. <laughs> but this uh, this one's from Boop, and Boop wants to know, when was your last spa day, and how do we make John make sure that you get to the spa? God, when was the last time I was at? You know what? I actually almost, this morning, so I booked um, my Airbnb for getting out to Vegas, but we were having a really hard time booking our Airbnb for some reason. It kept like the payments weren't going through and it was like rerouting. We kept re- like trying it a million different times and we're like, shit, is like Airbnb just not working for us right now? So we almost abandoned all hope and we were going to stay at one of the resorts. And I was like, oof, does this mean I can go get a massage? Can I go sit in a steam room? Like, give me the sauna deal. I mean, beyond that, of course, there's other uh, spa things that I would love to do, but... I've, I, oh God, when was the last time I was at a spa? I probably our honeymoon. I don't get to the spa often. I don't have time for that anymore. I'm just like, I don't have time for anything anymore. So the idea of like, I go and get my nails done. I'm like, it's so funny. I got my nails done this week and the chick next to me 
sits down. She's like, I have an hour. Can you do my my toes and my hands in an hour? And like the people in the salon started laughing at like laughing at like kind of ridiculous. that It's hard to pull that off in an hour. But she's like, Mike, I've got a babysitter. I have no time. Can you do this? I'm like, girlfriend, I hear you. I see you. I get it. There's no time for anything anymore. So, no, the idea of going to a spa um, feels sort of far away. I would love to do it, but um, I have a foot massage machine at home, so that makes me happy. I just recently started, I, I consider this a spa, I just recently started going to a chiropractor, and I think that's just the most amazing, just delicious thing in the world because it's like cracking the neck and the back and the hips and like the the knees and whatever at first, I was paranoid because it's like, what happens if I like accidentally twinge and I like, like what happens? I know. I I'm a, I get a little nervous with it too, to be honest. I've not gone to the chiropractor all that often. I had to go at one point when I was pregnant because my back was so out of sorts at one point when they're like, there's not that much we can do for you right now. Um, no, I, I like getting a massage. Is it for me? My muscles, especially like I've been like really upping my workouts and like, walking a ton so like my hips are really tight my and we where we live it's tons of hills so my calves are calling me up on the phone too uh sassy Greyjoy wants to know since moving to cincinnati what is your favorite local food item you've tried so at finley market finley market's amazing it's one of like the oldest food markets in the united states it's beautiful there's farmers markets in there but there's also like a bunch of different vendors um, I had this amazing, amazing, amazing fish taco, but it was a baked, I think it was tilapia, but it was, it had this like jalapeno cilantro crema sauce over it. That was so good. So, so, so good shit. I feel like I'm starving right now. And now as soon as we end this, I'm like, do we need to walk to Finley market and go get some of that food? But there's also this incredible Euro spot there and they do this, um, it's a red chili, red pepper feta cream sauce that they put on their gyro. And it's like the perfect amount of like slap you in the face with a little heat with like so much flavor. Oh my God. Ooh. And there's also an arepa place there. there. The food out here is amazing. There's a lot of really great food spots. It sounds like there's a lot of culinary delights, and I'm so glad you just did not go for, hey, Skyline Chili, simple answer. No, no, no. Skyline's fine. Like, I, I like Skyline, but when I'm actually thinking of, like, something that people have put some, like, time and care, it's not just, like, a fast food spot. Those are the ones that really come to mind for me. Oh, my God. I have to go after this. I need that fish taco. I am getting that fish taco, and I'm going to conquer it today. <gasps> Yay! And it's, like, beautiful weather outside, too. You go for a little stroll. You let those super calves do the work for you, and then you earn your fish taco. Yes. Also, I feel like fish tacos um, are pretty shame-free. I feel like tacos in general, I find it like I've, I've always found that weird that like tacos get that rap of like being like not healthy. It's just like meat in like a tortilla. Like how crazy can that be? I mean, I'm very excited to go back to this vegan taqueria that was in Vegas that Kel Dansby took me to the last time I was in Vegas with Gallows and Anderson. There's a really great vegan spot in Vegas called Veggie Nation that's really good. And there's also a really great vegan donut spot that Amy Dumas took me to when we were there, and it was amazing. There's some really good vegan options in Vegas. I'm with it. I'm going to do it, and I'm going to take photos of everything, and I will share them. So William Rossell 
wants to know, what is John's favorite dish for you to cook? And what is your favorite dish that John cooks? So I would say for him, the thing that I cook that he loves the most is something that he calls pizza chicken, which it's not really pizza chicken, but it's, it's very, it's simple. We used to not eat that much chicken. And now I feel like we've really upped our chicken intake. He was like big into like bison and steaks, even sometimes like pork chops. Um, Chicken really wasn't on the table all that much, but now we're doing chicken, but I will do it. It's just like garlic powder, onion powder, oregano, thyme, salt, pepper, and then some brown sugar. It's just the oregano and thyme, I think, makes him think that it tastes like pizza. So, but that's like his favorite. He loves it. He loves pizza chicken. Um, And mine that he makes, he doesn't like cook, cook very much. Like he will, like he can, he can really do a sandwich for sure. Sandwiches are his specialty. Honestly, when it's up to him to like get food, he usually just gets me this like Tuscan chicken salad that I love. Like that's him kind of cooking. It's this Tuscan chicken um, Caesar salad that he buys me from Kroger. Does that count? Yeah, I think that does. Now who grills the meats outside with the egg? So you're doing all the grilling of the meats. You're doing the smoking of the meats. Yeah, he's not. it's all me. He does the snack bowls, though. He is the snack guy. Like, he puts together the bowls. It'll be, like, there'll be chips and pretzels and cereal. Like, he, he, when he puts his mind to it, he can actually do some pretty inventive things in the kitchen. Actually, last night I made um, what's in my cookbook called the Lamb Jam, which is the Lamb Burger. He came up with a name for that. So, I mean, I'll give him credit for that. Um, but, yeah, he gets very... Uh, He's a real outside-the-box thinker when it comes to food. Sometimes he puts stuff together, and I'm like, absolutely not. But then he does stuff sometimes, and I'm like, it's actually great. Like, you just nailed that. So it's hit and miss. So John Moxley, excellent snacker. John Moxley does not smoke or cook the meats. No. You would assume because of the way he looks, he would, like, like he would smell like mesquite. He, you know what? He does like to like stoke a fire throughout the day. Like we've got a great little fire pit. So that he does master. So he does still s- smell nice and like smoky during the day. Good earthy bonfire smell. This one's from the FTR card collector. And they want to know, um, assuming John has it on TV many times, Hayabusa or Onita? I would say Onita. I mean, how could you not, right? Well, I guess for it's like the same thing. Like there has been an homage between Onita and and your husband. Yeah. But also too for for those that don't know who Hayabusa is, my advice to you would be do your Googles and watch some incredible stuff. I mean, they just did a dark side of the ring of FMW, and you can go back and watch that on Vice, and that predominantly features Onita and Hayabusa, and it's compelling stuff. Unfortunately, Hayabusa's career was cut short when he when he broke his neck in a match sadly but um the the work is so good and he really was an innovator of of that craft of mixing aerial assault and and going and you know being wrapped in barbed wire and exploding anything so yeah aerial assault is definitely not really in um John's um tool kit um he's he's more of a grounded animal since we're in the topic of wrestling i got one for you if if you're just randomly like what what's your go-to match? I always say my favorite match ever is the Hollywood Backlot Brawl. So you'll just go to that, like, let's just say, like, oh, you know what? I'm just going to watch this. 
Honestly, I don't do that very often. Like my brain doesn't work like that. I'm not a, I want to go back and watch matches kind of person. Like it, it depends on what it is. Like if there is something like really crazy in it or um, like a hilarious botch or something like maybe, but yeah, my brain just doesn't really work like that. I don't think like, you know what I haven't watched in a while is this and go back to watch it. I don't know. My brain, just, it's just not my thing. You know what I go back to a lot, and I don't know why. Like I've, I don't know, I've watched. I don't know. At this point, it feels like millions of hours of professional wrestling. But I will always go back to WrestleMania Seven, and I will watch the retirement match between Randy Savage and the Ultimate Warrior. There's just something about that match where I will sit and I can watch it in a sitting, maybe four times. Like I will run wow. it back four times. Yeah, I don't know why. I think it's reminiscent of when me and my buddy Joe, because Joe's not on this existence anymore, and we would sit and we would watch that. We would watch old school wrestling. So I guess when I think of Joe, I'll pop it on and I'll run that match back like four or five times. And just because Joe is a he was a professional wrestler. He was trained through Johnny Rods. He was the intro to one of the WrestleManias. Like literally he, he opens the show. You see like this big guy getting into the ring. You see like his boots, his back, his trunks. So like I'll run back that intro when I see him on WrestleMania. It was in Arizona. So like certain things like that. So that that's that's what I do. But uh, big shout out to you, Joe. I liked too that you because with um Ric Flair now having his like final match and you're like he already had it with Shawn Michaels. <laughs> Renee, I'm so glad you brought that up because everybody's like, well, you know, he needs one more match. No, he had one more match. It was perfect. Then he went to Impact. And he worked there and, you know, got into the mix a little bit. Then there was that this weird Hulk Hogan traveling tour wrestling show in Australia that they did. But in my mind, I don't think none of that exists. He had his match. It was with Shawn Michaels. It ended the way you want to go out. You look like a million dollars. You were presented like one of the wrestling gods. There is no need to now wrestle again at 74 you did it at 59 and you did it with arguably one of the greatest professional wrestlers I mean the FTR would dispute that but one of the greatest professional wrestlers <laughs> in Shawn Michaels and you went out like a king there's no need to do it again oh brother well I mean I'll I definitely will be like watching to see what this deal is but yeah it's you couldn't have had a better scenario than what him and Shawn did so this one comes from Joe Bayer, and Joe wants to know, did WWE ever want to make your relationship with John into a storyline? I mean, they did to a tiny degree when we did that um, little bit of a thing with, with Miz and Maurice. That was, that was really the most that there was. So there was only like a few instances. So like that being one of them, when I got to slap Mike and then Maurice um, slapped me, um, and there, you know, that was... Mike had been like addressing like my relationship with John and blah, blah. And we had like just gotten married when that started happening. So I think like we got married and people found out and it became a thing and blah, blah, blah. And then I, I think WWE kind of wanted to like jump on that. I don't even know if it was their idea or like whose idea that I don't know if it was their idea. I don't know if it was Mike's idea. I can't remember exactly how that came to because um, I wasn't really in those conversations. It was more so like are you comfortable with slapping the Miz tonight? And I was like, uh, okay, what? I've not had to slap anybody, uh, really ever. Um, so 
that was really the most of that. But then there was other times too when I was doing commentary and it would kind of weave through a little bit um, because there was one time when John got put through the announce table and I had to go and like check on him like as his wife that was like part of the deal was me making sure that he was okay but those were really kind of the extents of it in terms of there was no like oh I'm gonna come out and like work with him and like be his valet or anything like that like there was never any conversation of anything like that do you think you would have taken some bumpskis? I would be down to to take some bumps or something like that in like kind of what just because I think that's just fun like I do not like I don't have any weird feelings about that. And like, especially like on the physical side of things, like I feel like I would be, you know, my bump sucks. Don't get me wrong. But um, I would be down for that. But I think in terms of like what John does is so special and the connection that he has with the fans is so special. And he is clearly his own thing that I think me having anything to do with that and like having an on-camera character with him I think confuses that and it's definitely not necessary. Um, I, I think there's just there's something better to him just being his own thing. I mean, even now when he's like, you know, from when he was like with the shield to even now with with Regal and with Brian and, and Wheeler Yuta, he still is very much like he has so much individuality about him that I think. And also, he's such a baby face. That you, it only really works with a heel, I think, having like your wife out there with you in some kind of situation. As you're talking, I'm imagining like what I would have loved to have seen from the fan perspective, right? And even if it wasn't a match, let's just say Maurice tried to get into the mix with when Mike and John would, would wrestle, right? I had my spot ready. It was pull off my shoes, double leg. There you go. I would have loved to have seen a couple's dirty deeds. That actually would be great. I know how to do it. I've definitely like set him up for it before in the kitchen. I was like, all right, eat the boot, double arms. I mean, I don't need to see you do a tope, but I think a couple's dirty deeds would have popped the crowd and it would have been everywhere. It would have been a gifable moment. It would have been a gifable moment. Maybe someday we will, but uh, I don't think that uh, if and when that happens would be when either of us are like in our primes. It might be like a last like victory tour Get out there. I can dust off my old leather jackets and uh, see what we still got at that point. Like Ric Flair. Just going to do it. Exactly. You and John are going to do it at 80. Why not? You know? <laughs> exactly. Just make it happen. Um, <laughs> one more observation from me, and then we'll get back to these questions. One of the interesting things, because you did talk about how there, like John is his own individual unique flower in this insulated world of the shield and himself and with you and one of the things that I always found incredibly dope was that even though you guys were so intertwined with each other because of your relationship and then later on your marriage both of you were able to branch off and not be oh well that's John Moxley's wife oh that's Renee Young's husband because when you think of like Macho Man and Liz they're tied together when you think of Mike and Maurice, they're tied together. You know, similar instances with Bree and Brian. You know, they're tied together. Even John and Nikki at one point, they were, you know what I mean? They were tied together. And I always thought it was incredibly cool that you guys were individuals on camera as well as individuals off camera. And the two never really, like, kind of meshed to become like, um, like Benefer. I just don't think that it works for what we're doing. And, you know, I think, you know, also keeping in mind the fact that I'm not a wrestler 
of course, changes the dynamic of that. I'm sure if I was out there, you know, in gear and have my boots on and that was a different option, I still don't think that we would have. Like, I don't think that that's something, you know, especially for John that he would have wanted to do. I mean, he is so like knows what he's doing, knows his character, all that stuff. So I, yeah, I just, I don't think that it would have worked. And as much as people, I, you know, it could have been funny to be like, oh, double deeds, something like that, whatever. Could have been great. But I think us staying as separates, is, it, I think it's just better for both of us. I think being able to have that individuality and to not be totally looped together all the time. It's just, it's nice to have that separation because as much as we can both work in the professional wrestling world, it's cool that we have our own lanes to be in and that there's no stepping on any toes. There's never any weirdness with like creative direction, stuff like that. You know, even like Becky and Seth, it's like they had like small, small little moments of them doing stuff together. But honestly, a lot of the times they are fairly separate in what they do. Same with Brie and Brian, honestly. Like Brie and Brian, they also have obviously had moments and they've wrestled together. They've done mixed tags, right? Yeah, they've done mixed tags. Yeah, they actually wrestled Mike and Maurice. That's right. Well, from the reality TV standpoint, Brie and Brian, they're locked together. I know. It's it's such an interesting dynamic. And it's it's hard to like kind of strike the balance on that sometimes too because, you know, obviously with John being the, you know, his notoriety and his um, popularity, I guess, with like what he does – is so different than what I do. So, I mean, there are times, it's funny when I'm like, when I go to like AEW shows now, it's very weird for me to be there, to like be at a wrestling show and not be working. And that's when I, I, that's when I do feel like I'm like, oh, I'm just here as John Moxley's wife. It's a funny feeling. I don't like know what to do with my hands. Like, does anybody need anything? I feel weird just hanging out. So there you go, folks. Renee's not going to be doing a death match anytime soon. All right, so. <laughs> not yet anyway. Thanks so much for hanging out with us, guys. Uh, Hopefully you enjoyed the week, enjoyed the best of the sessions. You guys can hear the full-length interviews um, anywhere that you listen to podcasts. Just uh, download them, give them a listen, give them a like, a review. And if you want to see what you're hearing, head on over to my YouTube page. Just search Renee Paquette. It's all up there, and you can see us talking Having this interview, having a hangout, it's all up on there. Um, And that's been like a really great, cool, growing community. So uh, I'm really enjoying the hangouts on the YouTube as well. So we can see you guys over there. And jump in the comment section, you know. Jump in, chime in, leave a comment. Uh, We like filtering through them all, reading about them. Maybe even like, I don't know, some constructive criticism if you had it. We're all ears. God, did I open up a can of worms by saying that? I don't know. Be nice. Be cool in there. This has been The Sessions.